and welcome to the Happy Yoga Podcast with me, your host, Joe Hutton. And in this podcast, we talk about all things yoga and all things to make your mind a happier place to live in. Let's get started. In this episode, we're going to be looking at the second of the restraints, which is the first of the limb of the eight limbs of yoga. And if you don't have any clue what I'm talking about, go back and listen to the other episodes, otherwise this isn't going to make any sense to you. But in this episode, we're going to be talking about truthfulness. So the restraint here is non-lying, so to restrain from the act of untruthfulness. Make that the other way around, and it is truthfulness. Now, on the surface, this seems quite simple. Don't lie. End of story. Everyone move on. However, it isn't as simple as that, is it? Because... I think it's a pretty mainstream opinion now. It's a pretty mainstream argument to say that there is no one truth. So it's very difficult to say, oh, I'm going to be truthful when your interpretation of the truth might be different to other people's interpretations of the truth. And I read a book recently, which was really interesting about consciousness. I think it was called Being You but I'm not sure. It might be have been called Being Me. I will double check and I will put it in the show notes. But it was written by a neuroscientist and it was basically about all of the new cutting edge ideas around consciousness. And it was a brilliant book. It, it did make me stop a couple of times and make me feel a little bit travel sick because <laughs> thinking about your own consciousness is a disconcerting experience to say the least. But in that book, it was basically saying that we think of our brains as being processing machines. So we think of our brain as a place to interpret the material world. So the material world exists and our brain is taking the information from the material world and giving us a clear, true picture of what the real world, the outside world looks like. And it was basically saying that the evidence is coming out that that isn't how our brain works. Our brain isn't an, isn't an interpretation machine. What it is, is it's a storytelling machine. So our brain takes the information from the outside world and feeds it to us in a way that is going to keep us safe so it gives us the most important information first so why this is important is it basically means that your inner state is going to really affect how you interpret the world so not just how you interpret the world but actually how your world is because it's not just about interpretation it's literally about how you experience the world so you've probably had an instance where maybe you've lived next to a big steep hill and on some days that hill you look at it and it's really flat and you're like oh little tiny hill and on other days you look at it and it looks massive it looks like a massive hill and you're like why do I live next to this mountain and the hill doesn't change but how you see the hill does change and the reason why our brains work in this way is because our brains main and only function is to keep us alive and to keep us safe so our brain isn't interested in truth our brain doesn't care about truth our brain doesn't care about our own happiness our brain only cares about keeping you, me, us safe. Because if you think about it, you've got 
so much information going into your brain all day every day so the way your brain picks out what to pay attention to is going to depend on your inner state so for example if you're hungry and you're sat next to a coffee shop and they're baking croissants you're going to feel like that smells so much more if you're hungry than if you're not hungry if you're not hungry you might not even notice it but if you're hungry you're going to be like that is powerful they've done studies about how people like literally think that cakes look bigger when they're hungry they did a study with money where they they didn't they asked a lot of children how big a coin was and the poorer the child the bigger they thought that the coin was physically so our interpretation of the world the way we experience it is dependent on our inner state and also our sense of smell our sense of taste our proprioception all of these things have only we've only developed the senses to experience the things in the world that we need to experience so for example shark can experience electricity but we can't because we don't need to but that doesn't mean that electricity doesn't exist it just means that we haven't experienced it we have no need to experience it. We experience sound because we need to experience sound, but an animal that has lived very, very far down in the deep might not have ears, it might not have eyes. Like We have only developed the capacity to experience the things that we need to experience in order to stay safe. So what on earth am I going on about? Why am I talking about this when it comes to truth? The point of what I'm trying to say is that we don't have the ability to see the world how it is so we will never be able to experience a shared truth amongst our our society however we still need to be able to communicate with each other and we still need to be able to explain our truth we need to be able to understand what's happening for us and also understand what's happening for other people because we we share a world so we need to be able to communicate with each other so another thing that our brain tends to do is it tends to fill in gaps so because our brains are storytelling machines what happens is we'll take a little bit of information that we have and then we'll fill in all of the other gaps about it so we might see that somebody does a certain thing with their face and then suddenly our brain has gone oh that's a frown and it's a frown because I know that she went out last night and I know that she had an argument with him and blah 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 and we fill in that gap and basically we've told ourselves a story about this one little thing that we've seen happen on someone's face and then that might change how our entire interaction with that person is based on that little tiny, tiny, tiny little thing that we saw. And this is just a bias that we have in our brains and it's there's nothing wrong with it. It's just having an awareness of how often we are basing our decisions and our life on stories that we've made up. So it's they're true in the sense that we've experienced them but they're not actually what's going on between those two people if that makes sense so for example you might be 
going out for dinner with somebody and they might cancel and you might immediately jump to the conclusion that it's because they hate you and then you kind of tell yourself this story and then you have feelings and, and it affects you and you have this whole day of feeling rubbish and then actually when you talk to them it's just because they felt really poorly and they just they, their phone had run out of battery so all of those extra emotions, all that suffering, which at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do with the eight limbs of yoga is we're trying to negate suffering in our lives. We've basically created suffering out of nothing. So truthfulness is about awareness and about communication. So being aware of the boundaries of our ability to understand the truth and awareness of when we're filling in the gaps, when we're telling ourselves a story, and also communication of wanting to find out what's going on with the other person rather than just deciding what we have already filled in the gaps of. So another flip side of this is that sometimes we hold ourselves back from communicating our truth. So sometimes we might feel like we desperately want to say something or we want to be ourselves but we hold ourselves back from being ourselves from fear of rejection so we think that if we show ourselves to be who we are if we express our needs we're terrified of rejection and some sometimes this comes from experiences in the past sometimes it's a safety mechanism but sometimes it's just simply because we have already decided how everyone is going to react to us. And when we do that, we're not only robbing ourselves from the ability to be ourselves in the world, but we're also robbing that other person the opportunity to know us and to have a relationship with the real us. That other person is having their communication and their filtering through uh, something that isn't true to you. So you're not just robbing yourself of the ability to be loved for who you are and be able to be yourself out in the world, but you're also robbing other people of the opportunity to love and know the real you. And, And when we live in fear of expressing ourselves and when we aren't able to fully express ourselves or tell the truth, that truth doesn't go away, it just kind of eats away inside of you and you kind of hold on to it like a hot stone. And so I always think with myself, because there is a real danger of rejection, that is, try with my relationships to have this non-judgmental open line of communication where I'm saying, I will try and meet you and listen and understand to your truth and can you try and listen to me and and my truth because quite often the issues arise when we've already decided how the other person is going to act. And sometimes I think the more that you know somebody, the less that you see them because the more you've already filled in all of the little bits of information about them. So if you see someone every day, you might not give them the chance to be who they are in that moment. So what I mean by that is if you know someone really well, you kind of already know how they're going to act to stuff. Like you already know what they're going to say. You already have decided what what they like and what they're going to do. And sometimes it can be really disconcerting when somebody that you know very well acts 
outside of what you expect of them. And I think we can sometimes hold each other back, especially people who've known each other for a long time, by already deciding who that person is and not allowing there to be a space for growth and a space for curiosity. So for me, truthfulness is this real sense of curiosity and openness to finding out what's happening for us now. So our brains are are designed to tell stories and tell stories about the future, tell stories about the past. But actually, the only moment that exists is this moment. And in this moment, can we be curious about what's happening in this moment rather than trying to pull ourselves into a story about it? It, You're never going to get a point to a point where you don't tell stories in your head but starting to notice those stories so you can pull yourself back from them so I know that I can get quite exhausted (laughs) in my life because I'll be like it I'll be like going through my day and I'll be having full conversations with people I'll be having arguments with people that I haven't seen for 10 years I'll be interviewing myself for Desert Island Discs I'll be you know doing a shopping list I'll be doing this I'll be doing that and it's not where you have to be annoyed with your brain for doing it but but just when you notice that you're being pulled away into a story you can kind of bring yourself back into this moment because even though we'll probably never be able to find complete truth we will be able to find this moment and what's alive for us and what's happening in this moment and I think some people when they talk about the truth when they talk about their truth they're really rigid with their truth so it's kind of like become this thing where that's my truth and you can't tell me what my truth is and obviously nobody can tell you what your truth is but try not to hold on so rigidly to your sense of to anything try not to hold on so rigidly to your sense of truth your sense of identity because that is going to cause you suffering there is no way that if you have a strong hold rigid sense of this is the truth then when you encounter people who are going to question that or when you are put in situations where you have to question that and that happens with everybody's truth at some point you are going to cause yourself suffering and I think we can cause each other suffering as well by not having that kindness and that openness to have a discussion and a communication about everybody's truth rather than being like this is mine this is so important and everybody has a right to express their truth but we don't necessarily have the right to try and inflict that truth on other people so I think ahimsa and non-harm and um, truthfulness go hand in hand truthfulness is definitely not something to bat around someone's head as with non-harm it's a structure on which to ask questions and be curious about the world that we are in. And so how this relates to yoga and on the yoga mat is that quite often we don't quite live life where we are. We almost live life 
kind of where we want to be. So one of the things that we're not very good at at all is estimating our own ability or how we're feeling in our bodies. And so sometimes when you come to a yoga mat, you can be desperate to kind of be further along or feel better or be in a different state in your body than you are. So say you've had a cold, you're feeling a bit rubbish, you come to a yoga mat, it's very easy to be like, well, I could do that last week, so I'm going to force myself to do it. Or maybe if the teacher says you might want to use a block if if this isn't feeling right and you're thinking, well, it doesn't feel right, but actually I should already be at this point, so I'm not going to use a block. And I think that's quite a common thing to do with our own bodies. What happens then is if you don't work from where you are, if you work from where you want to be instead of from where you are, you actually miss out the bit of learning that you needed to do in order to get to that bit, if that makes sense. So say you um, are trying to touch your toes and the teacher's saying use a strap, but you're like, no, I'm going to round in my back and I'm going to be really uncomfortable. Instead of building the muscles and the, the flexibility that you would have needed to eventually be able to touch your toes, you're just kind of missing out the learning bits and it's counterproductive because you're missing out on the things that you need to be able to do and learn now because you've skipped a step if that makes sense and a final thought for this as well is that I think that quite often a need to skip ahead or a need to be untruthful or to present yourself in a way that you're not comes down to and I think this is not a fault of the individual. I think it's the fault of the society that we live in. And I think that there is a strong message from society that we're just not lovable the way that we are. I speak to people, and I definitely have this feeling in myself. And when I speak to, you know, clients, when I speak to friends, there seems to be this feeling that we're just not quite good enough on our own that if people get to know the real you then they wouldn't like you that there's some there's a fundamental flaw deep inside us all and so we tend to just not quite want to let people see the real us and I think that's really really sad but if you feel like that know that that's not your fault that comes from the messages that we have in society and I think that a lot of yoga is about relearning and rejecting those messages that we're getting and actually saying do you know what I am enough there's nothing wrong with me I I can be who I am and build on that so we're starting from where we are rather than where we think we should be I hope that you enjoyed that episode. If you have any questions about it, please do let me know. I'll be linking the book below and I will see you soon. Bye. The Happy Yoga Podcast was brought to you by me, Joe Hutton. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and you're always welcome to join the community. So follow the link in the show notes if you want to be part of the community. Bye.